Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake for this special Team of the Decade episode. Hello Rob, you alright? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm alright and I'm looking forward to looking back over the last 10 years. Yeah, a lot has happened in 10 years. A lot happens in football anyway, but especially at Leicester City with there's been such a uh, typically yo-yo club in terms of the fortunes and the leagues that we've played and we've been quite fortunate in the in the sense that we've been able to watch football from three different divisions and the Champions League over the last 15 years or so but condensing obviously into the last 10 years and looking back fondly at some players uh, and it, sort of when I was preparing for this there are a few that I didn't expect to pop up you know sometimes We've been Leicester fans, you and I, for, for quite a while. Not as long as many of our listeners, but uh, you sometimes forget which player played in which era. So it's been quite nice, actually, to look back and, and collate the shortlist from which we will attempt to select a best 11 of the decade. Keyword, yeah. attempt. Well, I'm, I'm sat, I've got the, the fossils and foxes with me. Um, so if you do hear the odd uh, drop of a book and a, and a shout because it's landed on my toe, then you'll know then uh, that it, I've dropped this because it is quite a, quite a book. If you haven't got a copy of the Fossils and Foxes, which was updated at the end of the uh, 2016 season, so when we won the league, then do get yourself a copy. I presume it's going to be updated probably in the next few years, maybe uh, maybe in about five years' time, every decade or so they might do it. It depends if they do it um slightly earlier because of the success that we've ha- had but it's it's an amazing book just to flick through occasionally and it's a great research tool for for things like this and uh, to look back on where we were in certain leagues and and throughout history as well I love looking back at the 30s and 40s and you know you just to see the attendances how many people scored and all that sort of thing it's just it's it's fantastic and um and, and also I mean just a, a side story uh, uh, other fans as well I've got a friend of mine who's a who's a he's a Leicester big Leicester fan Loves his rugby. Rugby's probably his first game, or it is his first game. But uh, he's a he's a Leicester lad, so Leicester fan in terms of football as well. And he, he's starting to really look back at the history of the game. He's only my age, slightly younger. And he was given uh, for Christmas, uh, and he opened it before Christmas from one of his mates, a copy of the uh, the FA Cup uh, final program in nineteen sixty nine against Manchester City. Uh, it was and it was he found it in a in a car boot sale etc and gave it to him as a present and he was delighted looking back at all the old players and that and that it and and I kind of like watched him kind of read it and flick through going and and he's just starting to look back at the history of the club and and it was fantastic to see because I I've done that and and it was uh, it was very interesting so do get yourself a copy of the fossils and foxes book by the way it's it's a fantastic book to to flick through it's absolutely huge but um. Team of the Decade, these things have been muted and, and done in many different places. Uh, we actually, Rob, I will say, if you go back about five episodes or so on the traditional For Fox 8 podcast episodes, uh, 
we did mention this a long time ago. So if you think that we're jumping on the bandwagon on what everyone else has done, obviously that's normally the case. <laughs> Let's just hold our hands up right now. But we actually, we started this ball rolling. We mentioned this probably early November that we were going to do this. So um, I think we, I think everyone else has jumped on. They've obviously listened to that episode and they've gone, that's a great idea. Rob and Pete have come out with a fantastic idea. We'll do the same. That's what we think anyway. But uh, anyway, how are we going to do this? Well, we're going to kind of just do it as we go along. The idea was we were going to pick three players in every position and then pick the one player for that position from the last decade. Now, this will throw up many, many arguments and discussions and you have to weigh in who is the better player, who performed best in the Leicester shirt, what success they had in the side, how long they played for, and you weigh all this up and not everyone will come out with the same answer and that's the glorious thing. There's no right answer, there's no wrong answer. So play along at home when you're doing this, discuss who would you have... Obviously, you're going to have your favourites. If it was me, I'd still have Frank Sinclair in there. But we can't because it's got to be in the last decade or so. So what we're going to do, Rob, I think if you do your team and I do my team, and I think we're probably going to get eight or nine roughly the same, okay? And then we'll kind of figure out between us kind of a, a podcast 11, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll give it a go. <laughs> we'll... Yeah. You sounded really yes. confident. Yes, we will. We yeah, we'll look, we'll have a go. It, like you say, it, it is difficult because, you know, do you pick a player based on because if you're picking the best team of the decade solely on footballing ability, then it's essentially bar one or two the team that turns out for Leicester at the minute. But if you're looking at impact, uh history you know, status at the club, then there are a lot more discussions to be had. And that's what you, the listeners, have got to look forward to over the next, uh, over the course of this special episode. Special, I mean, makes it sound more exciting than it is. It's basically me and you having a bit of an argument about the team of the decade. But, you know, if you're listening at home or you're listening... maybe with, maybe Yeah, maybe if you're listening at home or listening with your family or, or whatever, you're having a, a few festive beverages with uh, a few friends, then... Play along, um, have the debate yourselves as well, uh, and obviously we'd like to hear from from you as well. If we've got anything that, if we, anybody we've missed or anybody that we've included that you think no way should they be anywhere near a team of the decade, then please do feel free to let us know. But we're going to give it a stab, aren't we? We are, and it's it's a, it's an interesting start because, and also there's there's one or two positions which are really really competitive. But there's also one or two positions which aren't, okay? And I think we're going to start with that, being the goalkeeper. Now, Rob Hayes, have you got any more than one player down for your goalkeeping top three? Well, you told me to make a short list of three, so being a stickler for the rules, I did. But the only person that I actually came up with initially was the one who is inevitably going to go in every single sane person's Leicester team of the decade, and that's Kasper Schmeichel. Um I've got a special mention for Conrad Logan, just for have. just for service to the club, uh, and he was still a, a Leicester player contractually in uh, a period of the 2010s. I've also got Chris Wheel down because he 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 wasn't the world's best goalkeeper by any stretch of anybody's imagination, but he was steady and usually reliable during a period 
um, of transition, really, for Leicester, shall we say. So, mention for those, but I don't think this one is going to take an awful lot of debate. It was. If you look back at the whether you start in 2010 from the from the 09-10 season or whether you're going to go straight from the 10-11 the season, as I turn my page, uh, finishing fifth in 09-10 uh, Leicester and then down into 10th and 9th through the next few seasons. And then you had uh, the near misses in the playoffs uh, along with those and, and then winning the league and then surviving, winning the league and then Europe, etc. We all kind of roughly know how it went. Um, we didn't, this doesn't include the side that won the league, uh, League One to get to the championship. That was obviously before the decade. So players like Matty Fryatt and probably Matt Oakley, those players wouldn't really be included. But uh, it's going to be Cashbridge Michael for the goalkeeper because we've done before, and you can go back into the catalogue of For Fox Sake all the way through the years that we've done this podcast through the podcast provider of choice. If you're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, etc., SoundCloud, then you can go back and you can find all the specials, especially Christmas specials, where we've picked the best team of all time. We've picked... Uh, the best squad in terms of squad number. Remember the argument that had when people didn't actually understand what we were doing when we were picking the best ever number 13 and number 14, etc. Oh, my God. But um, we've picked uh, a number of different best ofs, including the best ever uh, Leicester team, according to us. And, and Schmeichel is in that conversation. He really is now. Interesting, actually, on uh, Rob Tanner for The Athletic, as we speak today, uh, time of recording, uh, have brought out an article saying that there is a generation of fans who are now, when someone says Schmeichel, they refer instantly to Kasper Schmeichel rather than Peter Schmeichel. And when I read that headline, I thought to myself, well, being a Leicester fan, you're predominantly going to be going towards that anyway. But I would be in that generation now of, of supporters who would identify Kasper first rather than Peter Schmeichel. And the importance of Kasper to the side, who's been in really good form the last couple of seasons, we just take the last two seasons, I think, that the saves in the penalty win against Everton in the League Cup quarterfinals. And I said at the time on the previous For Fox 8 podcast episode that I wouldn't have anyone else in the world in goal rather than Kasper Michael in a penalty shootout scenario. He's the captain of the side. Um, he's, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper I've seen at the club. He's right up there with the likes of Shilton and and Banks as well for Leicester. I know obviously Banks won the World Cup whilst at the club and that's probably never going to be bettered by a Leicester player. You never know. We'll see what happens. But he's just a, a an all-round top guy, fans' favourite, and Schmeichel is absolutely nailed on with probably one other player in this side. That was easy. What a positive start we've made to this. <laughs> yeah, it might go downhill now. Um, so Schmeichel, right. So Schmeichel, I've got. Schmeichel, you've got. On to the defence. Now, in terms of formation, this can change, and it will do, but I've kind of got a rough 4-4-2 down, okay? Very rough. Okay, so we're going to start with the right back. I've got three players. I've got Danny Simpson, Ricardo Pereira, and Richie Dalat. Do you have the same three? Yeah, that's the same three-man shortlist that I've got as well. Albeit, I'll have to admit, Richie Delat was definitely very much third on the list. But yeah, for different reasons. Obviously, Danny Simpson won the Premier League with Leicester City. 
Ricardo has proven himself to be one of the best fullbacks in the league on current form. And Richie Delat was part of a very successful Leicester team. So, and he got, um, was it his assist for which goal? Which um, Vardy got? It was the the one against Manchester United when we stuck five past them, wasn't it? Delat got an assist in that game. It was the best thing I ever remember him doing in a Leicester shirt. But yeah, I think I don't think there's any other right back that really gets into the conversation. No, I agree with the three. Obviously, they were my three. Delat, yes, he laid it on for Vardy. He also scored the first goal in the comeback against Aston Villa when Dyer got clattered by the goalkeeper and we were one three two. Yeah, he I scored that. just just before half time. That near post from a corner and it was just cleared off the line, but it just beat the player on the line, etc. And uh, but also he was a very good fullback, very attacking fullback. Did he win? He won obviously a league winners medal with Leicester. Did he get? He didn't win the league at Middlesbrough when he went there, did he? But he got a promotion. Yeah, he won. He got a promotion medal and a and a pr- Premier League winners medal in the same season. He's that good. He can win two medals from two different leagues in the same season, and now he's tearing it up in oh Australia. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He was playing as centre forward over in Australia, but he's so good that he doesn't make the best team of the decade. Yet he won two medals in one season. Anyway, Richie, like good player, part of the uh, the championship winning side, very good attacking fullback. But when Claudio made the decision to to make it a more a defensive units at the back especially with the fullbacks he brought in Danny Simpson Danny Simpson is the second player very steady no longer at the club now at Huddersfield but did very well obviously during the league winning season but afterwards as well you thought it could have been a position that he, he we could maybe improve on getting forward which we have done eventually but he, he still remained as, as part of the Leicester side going forward for you know a number of years you'd say not very good going forward. Amazingly dependent at the back. A great covering fullback as well. And part of the team that everyone will be able to reel off in 50 years' time. And then you've got Ricardo Pereira, who is, I think if you put all these three players together, the best player of those. Um, player of the year on his first season at the club. Only played for, what, season and a half now. But has made a real impact. You would... A lot, along with the two the two people at Liverpool, the two fullbacks at Liverpool, you say Robertson and Arnold. Uh, I I would say easily we have the next best fullback pairing in Chilwell and Ricardo Pereira. Second half attacking the cop, and he's running past the West End, always in the opposition half. He's a winger by trade, turning into a fullback, just a, a fabulous player. Now. I think I don't know whether you agree with me. I, I'm going to kind of throw you into this as well, Rob. But it's quite easy to look back as a player with blue-tinted spectacles and and kind of think of them as, as as maybe a better player than they were. And I'm probably more along the lines of picking a player from yesteryear than a current player, even though we are playing extremely well. Okay, that's just the way I am, and that's probably different to a number of people who will be looking at the current side going look we're second in the league and we've got to pick players from this current side even though they've maybe not played for long but that's just the way I am would you maybe agree with that or are you slightly more rational and slightly more 
hang on, these are he's just a better player. He goes into the side. I think it's going to have to be a balance, isn't it? And in when I was coming up with the shortlist in preparation for this special, it it was toying with my mind already. I was already thinking, yeah, okay, I'm writing these down to discuss them with Pete, but actually. I'm stating, staking arguments, staking claims for each of the players. Well, I say two of the three players in this particular shortlist in my mind. And it is, it's a difficult decision to make. But I think if, if Ricardo had come to the club and he, and he, he, he'd had a decent first season, um, and he, and he was playing well now, I'd, I'd probably still have leaned towards Danny Simpson. But I think because, he won the awards at the end of his first season at Leicester. Player of the season and players player of the season isn't just a oh he's played well for four or five games this Portuguese lad. This is a this is a world class footballer who, as you say, is probably the second best right back in the league. And he, on that merit, for me, deserves to be in the team of the decade, ahead of Danny Simpson. Yes, Danny Simpson has a Premier League winner's medal, but Ricardo Pereira has individual awards, club awards to his name already, and will, I have no doubt, go on to win silverware with Leicester City. So, for me, I'm going to put Ricardo in. And I'm writing it down now, so you can't change my mind. Ricardo, so Ricardo's in your side. I've got mine written down anyway. I've got one position where I've I've not got a player. Um, after my kind of talk about you know looking further back and being kind of fond of players from yesteryear rather than being you know with the current crop, even though they are the better side and that, my player is Ricardo Pereira in this position. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I thought exactly. you were trying to convince me to get on the Simpson train here and then you've actually got Ricardo written down all along devil's advocate Peter you are I am yes I've got Ricardo written down I I completely agree I think he had a fabulous first season he's the best right back arguably in the league he's he is I think he's world class and there was someone mentioned to me during the game against Man City about him being linked with was it Tottenham? And I looked at him and went, are you mad? He's not going to go Tottenham. If he's going to go anywhere, he's going to go Real Madrid or somewhere. Um, so, Ricardo Pereira, for me, is in the team of the decade. Um, let's go to the left-back situation then, because I think the left-back is a very similar position. Um, the three I've got down, I've got Paul Koncheski, Christian Fuchs and Ben Chilwell. Me too. It's like an echo. Okie dokie. So, Paul Koncheski, if you just look back slightly on, because we know Fuchs and, and Chilwell, uh, played between 2011 and 2016. 138 games, Paul Koncheski, uh, five goals, winner of the championship at Leicester. Um, replaced then by Christian Fuchs, winner of the Premier League. Fabulous season that season, 15-16. Still at the club, still performing to a very high level. Uh, so, you have to take in the fact that he's been at the club for quite a long time. Very similar uh, kind of timeline to Paul Koncheski and he's still performing at, at, at an ultra high consistent level and then you've got Ben Chilwell who if you look at photos of the league winning season and lifting the trophy he's there in the background and he is now England's first choice left back improved um, almost out of all recognition really from a player you never thought might quite make it and still people had doubts at the beginning of this season including myself 
and we mentioned that on the podcast, but he's improved this season as well and he's really developed his game. His final ball is coming on now. Uh, and Chilwell, as I mentioned, England first choice left back. So three very interesting players and I will I will go first and I will uh, say right now my player in the team of the decade at left back is Christian Fuchs, mainly because he, he is still at the club. And he's still performing at that high level. Now, I know, first of all, he's been paid a lot of money to do so. So it's not exactly a hardship being at Leicester. But also, he he includes that longevity that Konchesky had, who's obviously going to be the third of these choices. Um, and I think he's just still ahead of Chilwell. Now, maybe at the end of this season, let's say Chilwell carries on his performances, plays really well, wins a trophy, hopefully, at Leicester this season. And I reckon at the end of the season... Chilwell then will be ahead of Fuchs. I think the fact that Fuchs has won that trophy, won the Premier League at Leicester, that just edges him ahead of Chilwell rather than Simpson ahead of Pereira. I think no, Chilwell will will be the number one choice at the end of the season, but because we're doing it now, it's still just Fuchs, just uh yeah, I think from a timing perspective, I would have to agree with you. I, I don't think Chilwell has quite yet done enough to surpass the achievements and the service that Christian Fuchs has enjoyed at this at this club. Fuchs is a consummate professional. He came to us as a bit of a coup, really. He was he was quite a well known name at the time when we weren't really in a position to be signing players of that quality if you like when he signed he was um a champions league uh, he had champions league experience with schalke he'd captained austria a, a load of times um and he's got a wand of a left foot you know his his ability to deliver a ball to strike a ball he's hit a few decent goals for leicester hasn't he and you know the long throw as well and just you know he was dependable like danny simpson but in a in a much higher quality way, if that makes any sense. You know, Danny Simpson was exactly what you get on the tin, very much a super strong championship right back. Obviously, he won the Premier League, but, you know, you could depend on him defensively, but cross the halfway line and it's a rush of blood to the head, whereas Christian Fuchs was, an, uh, was not so much now, but was an all-round left-back. Um, obviously, he's, no he's lost... Pass for, for Vardy... For oh, eleventh goal against with Man his United. right foot, yeah, crazy. It it was yeah. It, he has had some time at Leicester. Obviously, he's he's been here for what four years now, something like that. And what a four years he's had, and he will be. Rem- I think just because of his 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 character as well. You know, he is obviously he's a squad player now, and he's back up to Ben Chilwell, and that is absolutely fine at this stage of his career, but. I just think he's very likable. He's very active on social media. He's very much engaging with the fans. Um, and I don't think there's anything, anything at all, and not a single bad word to say about him as a person or a footballer. Um, and I think you're right, Pete. If if we were doing this at the end of this season and Chilwell continues in this vein and wins a trophy with Leicester, I think he gets usurped, if you like. But yeah, I agree with you for now. It, 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 I, well, this is the decision we're making. We're only a few days from the end of the decade. Team of the decade, left back, Christian Fuchs. Excellent. On to the centre-backs. Now, I've just looked at my list and realised I've got five rather than six. 
Me so too. Three for each. Really? Well, there we go. <laughs> okay then. So I'll read the five because I think we're going to pick two. Obviously, we're going to pick two, but we'll do them both at the same time. Uh, the five I've got down. I've got uh, Harry Maguire, Robert Hooth, Wes Morgan, Johnny Evans, and I've got Soyuncu. Yeah. Have I completely missed someone? Well, I've got I've got a couple of um, question mark ones in addition to that that I thought just deserved a mention as we're talking about. Not going to get in the team, but in terms of cult heroes, uh, Vasilevsky and Bamba both played for Leicester oh. in this decade. So oh. I just enjoy I just enjoy reminiscing about the times that they were wearing a Leicester shirt when you had absolutely no idea what was going to happen, who Vasilevsky was going to kill next or what ridiculous trick Solbamba was going to do on the edge of his own box next. I just thought they deserved a mention, perhaps not really in the in the conversation for best centre-back of the decade, but seeing as we are taking a little trip down memory lane, remember them too. I do. Sol Bamba, talk amongst yourselves. I'm just trying to... Was it his debut where he scored... Was it against Man City? You've got the big fat book, mate. Yes, you talk amongst yourselves for one second. I'm on 2010-2011 is the uh, the season. And we played, oh no, we played Preston. Where's the game against Man City then? Sol Bamba. Yeah, he made his debut January the 15th, uh, 2011 against Preston. Well, sure he scored against Man City... Oh, I completely lost the plot there. Oh, no, no, he did, yeah. Um, his first appearance was on the 9th of January, so a week earlier, against uh, Manchester City when we drew uh, 2-2 and he scored. Uh, so, yeah, he scored... Scored with his first touch of the ball, according to Wikipedia, yeah. which I've just had a look. There we go. So, 2-2 against Man City. Um, I remember that game, and then we, we lost 4-2 in the, in the replay. That's a 2000, cracky, 2011. It, does, it seems... Not that long ago, really, but uh, that's a long, <laughs> obviously quite a long time ago. Yeah, Sol Bamba. And then Martin Vasilevsky, I mean, for oh dear. All the fans who turned up, uh, all the Anderlecht fans in the, in the bottom corner of the, uh, of the what, the southwest area of the King Power when he played. And yeah, who who is you going to kill? And did he get, he got a medal in the end. I don't think he got the, the appropriate number of appearances in the Premier League for a winner's medal but I think he was only a couple shy but I think he's he got a medal anyway they, you know nick someone's or whatever you don't want to get it back off him but uh, so away from those two um what Hooth, Maguire, Evans, Soyuncu and Morgan okay um now I've got obviously the two down first of all I've got Wes Morgan okay captain of the side that won the Premier League massively easy decision really he moved to Leicester from Forest because he wanted to go and do things and win things won the championship lifted the Premier League still at the club fantastic fantastic servant still doing it now didn't look out of place against Everton recently in the cup uh just what a credit to himself as well the way that he's looked after himself at a at a top class Premier League side which it could have been very easy for him to go, actually, it's just slightly ahead of me now. I'll drop down a division. But no, he's not done that. He's still there at the club. Whether he's there at the end of the season or not, we'll wait and see. I think he might retire. Rumours that he's going to be given a a role at the football club in some kind of ambassadorial role. But we'll wait and see what happens there. But uh, for me, Wes Morgan would probably be nailed on any person's team of the decade. 
But yeah, what a servant to the club Wes Morgan has been. He's he's just he epitomises everything that about Leicester City, really, doesn't he? You know, we've had a lot of players in the past who've not been world class, who've not been sort of fancy or anything like that, but have just excelled in a Leicester shirt for one reason or another and have performed at a, a high level, probably higher than they even thought that they could themselves. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back to sort of the Martin O'Neill era where he had a team of slightly better than average players playing really, really well and, and, and plucked from relative obscurity, some of them. You know, Wes Morgan... Moving from Forest to Leicester, regardless of what Forest fans say, it will have been a little bit of a bitter move. Probably not for for Morgan, but for you know for Forest fans and Leicester fans initially. But you know, you almost it doesn't even come into your mind because he's achieved so much during the seven or so years that he's been at the club. None more so than than holding on to one arm of the Premier League trophy with Claudio Ranieri on the other side. Just a he will. That team obviously will be forever ingrained in Leicester's history, and and him as the leader of it will will absolutely and rightly so be be a huge part of Leicester's history for decades and decades to come. And it was this decade that he did all that in, so no question whatsoever that he goes into the team. Yeah, so Morgan's in the side. Uh, the other players alongside him, we got Hoof, Maguire, Evans, Soyuncu. Soyuncu's not going to be there. Only played obviously this season, but done very well. You've got. Evans, again, what a player. What a player. The number one, arguably, centre-half in the Premier League. Alongside, say, uh, Van Dijk. I think you've had to pick two. Van Dijk and Evans would probably be that partnership. But he's not there because of the fact that he's only been there, what, just over a year or so. Um, the other player who's not making my team is Harry Maguire. He had a great spell at Leicester. Well, a couple of seasons in the England side. Good old slabhead. Uh, moved on to United for an awful lot of money, and uh, well, he can do what he likes up there. Not, I, I, I've, I'm not one of them people who is following his career and kind of relishing in maybe mistakes or whatever. It doesn't concern me. We've got an awful lot of money for him. We enjoyed two great years of a player, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed him being a Leicester player. He fitted right in, but also I thoroughly enjoyed him being an England player whilst at Leicester, uh, and that was great to see. Uh, so he doesn't make the side. Uh, alongside Wes Morgan, I've got Robert Huth in my team of the decade because I, alongside maybe one or two others, but I would arguably say, I think, say, Vardy might be the number one pick, really. But I think Robert Huth is arguably the most important Leicester signing in the last decade. I think Vardy would probably be number one, but Huth, you could say, is the most important. When he was signed, it changed Leicester's fortunes overnight really because we went on that amazing winning sequence to stay up and then win in the league the next year and Robert Huth was at the the heart of that I think it made Schmeichel a better goalkeeper it made Wes Morgan a more comfortable centre-half he himself Robert Huth played amazingly well it had gave the ability of the fullbacks to not allow balls into the centre but also play slightly narrower and if the player manages to Get half a yard and whip the ball in. Don't panic because you've got two players, especially Huth, to be able to head the ball out. Anything run deep, not a problem. You can sit back. And if they do decide to play the ball deep into the area, again, you've got Robert Huth there. Thus, you can then counter-attack the way Leicester like to play. So all this stems from the signing of one player, Robert Huth. 
And he, in my opinion, just has to go down because it's amazing when you look back at that league winning side and Robert Huth is there. And this is a player who had won the league before at Chelsea a long time ago, played all them years at Stoke. And I wouldn't say he was on the footballing scrap heap, but he wasn't picked up by anyone apart from ourselves. Only signed for a few million quid in the end. And what an amazingly canny purchase. And it has to go down as a fantastic buy because I think Nigel Pearson, as much as Steve Walsh was there when signing these players, I think a lot of this was Pearson because it's a very similar player in what Pearson was like. And I think he identified he needed that sort of player. And... Robert Huth is in my team of the decade. What an absolute machine that man probably still is. You know, he's he's the kind of player, you said something about Vasilevsky and not nicking the medal back off of him, but Robert Huth is very much of the same ilk, isn't he? He's, he was absolutely no nonsense. He brought a solidity and a calmness and a composure to to Leicester's back line when it was needed the, the most. He dug us out of a desperate situation, not single-handedly, but as you say, was a massive contributor to that. And then he is one of those 11 names that is etched forevermore into eternal Leicester history. Um, and I would agree with you. Yeah, Harry Maguire made his breakthrough really at Leicester, didn't he? He he got himself into the, the England squad, played at a major tournament with England whilst at Leicester. Um, and that's all well and good. But he didn't. He didn't achieve what Robert Huth achieved at the team. I'd, I'd agree with you on Evans and Soyuncu. They are currently our partnership. They are currently playing very well. But when we're talking about team of the decade, I don't think that I don't think I've got any argument that I could put against you, Pete, for having um, Huth alongside Morgan at centre back. Excellent. So that is the defence then. Schmeichel in goal. Uh, we've got uh, Ricardo Morgan Huth. And Fuchs, so we, we both agree. Fantastic. Absolutely excellent. Now, this is where it really gets interesting, I think. The midfield, my God. I've got some names. I've got some weird positions here as well. Um, Okay, whether you're going 4-4-2 or not, or whether we slightly change things around, um, we'll start on the left, if you've got that. Um, I've got three players. Okay, I've got Mark Albrighton. I've got Jeff Schlupp, and I've got Lloyd Dyer. Have you got the same three? I've got all Brighton and Dyer, uh, and then I've got Schlupp and Barnes, both with question marks next to them. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, all Brighton and Dyer are definitely featuring heavily on my on my shortlist, and I would imagine that you were going to say that uh, Schlupp would be third in that list, and it's a battle between the other two. Yeah, um, it... <laughs> It, it it depends on what formation you're playing because I think what we'll do, Rob, is we'll we'll go then across the midfield, so into uh, the centre midfield. Um, so six players there. I've got Angolo Kante, Andy King, Esteban Cambiasso, Wilfred Ndidi, Danny Drinkwater, and Yuri Tillemans. Like a game of bingo, this. House. You've got the same. Exactly the same six, yeah. On the right, or or depending on where you're where you're picking players, I've got Anthony Knarkart, Riyad Mahrez, and James Madison. 
Okay, so you're squeezing Madison in on the right. Now, I didn't know where to put him either. He was under uh, on my list. He was under his own separate subheading. Yeah. And when I really only picked a short list of five strikers, I kind of bumped him into a, a central attacking role, if you like, as a, as a second striker. So my right-hand side short list uh, is Mares Knockhart. And I actually put Paul Gallagher on there because I quite enjoyed his time at Leicester and I enjoyed his set pieces and his and his penalties, even though he was an absolute pansy in a tackle. Um, and he's clearly not uh, one of the best players to ever play for Leicester City. I did enjoy the quality that he brought to the team during his spell at, at Leicester. Well, I'll say that I've got Gallagher in a forward position. He's not in the side. But I'll just mention Gallagher because you, you brought him up. Signed in 2009. We played until 2015. Uh, 25 goals in 118 games. One of my personal favourite players. Some brilliant goals. Stri- one of the purest strikers of a ball we've probably ever had at the football club. Brilliant free kicks. His penalty technique is still legendary today. The way that he turns away quickly and then runs back. Uh, a really good footballer, a really good player who who probably, when he looks back at his career, and what a great career he's had, fantastic career, but probably should have played in the Premier League for um, a number of years and, and never really did. There's another player on the list as well when we get to the forwards who you maybe would be kind of saying the same thing about, but uh, Paul Gallagher in the right team could have easily been a Premier League player for a number of seasons. He's a lot better than many players who have had long careers in the Premier League, in my opinion, but he's not made, he's not made the team, but the midfield, I'll, I'll start then. Okay. Um, on the right, because I think you've got the same player. Um, it's pretty much a toss up between Anthony Canacos and, and Riyad Mahrez. And I think really the, the, the number one thing you can say is that, Riyad Mahrez replaced Narcart in the Leicester side because he was a better footballer. And I think that's the number one reason why he's in my team of the year. Amazing to win the league with. We know what Mahrez is all about. So probably the most skillful player that's ever played for the club. Winner in the, of the Premier League. Doing all sorts now at Man City, as we know from the other day. And uh, Riyad Mahrez is on the right. And again, he'll be in everyone's team of the decade. Yeah, that, and that's a conversation we've had before, isn't it? When we were talking about best player to wear a shirt number or best best Leicester team ever, which which is a conversation we've had at, at various points over the last few years since we've been doing this podcast. He is one of, technically, one of the best players that we have ever been fortunate enough to see in a Leicester shirt. And, and any fan of any age of uh, that grew up watching Leicester in whatever era, you can't deny the technical ability that Riyad Mahrez has is right up there amongst the best you've ever seen in a Leicester shirt. And yeah, it's no contest really. Knockout gave us some great moments and he always wore his heart on his sleeve. He really endeared himself to the Leicester fans, more so than Mares in many ways. But in terms of achievements at the football club and genuine football talent, Riyad Mahrez is a cut above. A cut above, definitely. Now the midfield, it's the centre midfield. This is This is where it could get interesting. Um. Okay, I've got. I'll, I'll just say the two I've got. Okay, I've got Angolo Kante, who I think many people would have in there. A one-season wonder. He was only there for that one season, but what a season it was! Robert Hooth said we wouldn't have won the league without Kante. People said who played to the left and right of Danny Drinkwater. Kante on the left, Kante on the right. Angolo Kante goes into the team of the decade. We wouldn't have won the Premier League without him, and he's in there on the basis of, of one season. 
for me, he just has to be. Yeah, we are massive fans of Wilfred and Didi on this podcast and what he's doing at the football club. Um, But for me, when you're talking about picking a central midfield two, you're looking for a bit of balance. So although Kante is less of a defensive-minded midfielder now at Chelsea than he was at Leicester City, I had to basically pit those two against each other as the sort of ball-winning rather than ball-playing central midfielders in in my mind when I was deciding which one to to put in. Um, And Kante edges it for me. He is just a phenomenal footballer, isn't he? There is nothing that he can't do. He's proven that at Chelsea. You know, he's scoring goals, he's making goals, he's bursting sort of beyond the front three or whatever formation Chelsea are playing. Whereas we we thought he covered a lot of ground at Leicester when he was either side of Drinkwater and screening the back four. He, he's just got a ridiculous engine on him. And he is one of the best central midfielders that we have had the pleasure of, of watching. And that is some statement considering he only lasted that short period of time with us. Um, nobody really begrudged him moving on. He didn't do it in a in a diva-ish way. He didn't do it in an egotistical way. He just went, cheers, I've had a great time. We wouldn't have won the Premier League without him. That That's almost as factual as you can possibly be, hypothetically. Um, hugely important player in, in Leicester's history. Hugely important player this decade in the team. Who have you got alongside him now? I'll... I'll, I'll... About to you first, then, Rob. Well, I'm making my decisions as we as we speak here. I haven't actually. I'm writing my team out as we talk. You go then, because I've got down. I've got down. Uh, I've got Andy King. I've got Esteban Cambiasso, uh, Wilfred Ndidi, Danny Drinkwater, Yuri Tillemans. Yeah, I've got exactly the same shortlist. Go on in. Who is your Who is your next? This is this is literally me making this decision right now, and it's changed a couple of times since I've been staring at the central midfielder subheading on my hastily scribbled notes. Um, because we're the same so far. We've got uh, what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven down, and we are exactly the same. Yeah, uh, let's make it clear that we we didn't know which direction this special would go in. Uh, we thought um, initially that we would build two separate teams of the decade, mine and yours, and then maybe see if we could concede a couple to put together a podcast one. But at the moment, the For Fox Sake team of the decade is is the same and has been agreed upon by both of us. I don't know whether this is going to change anything. Now, Drinkwater was an excellent footballer, uh, hugely important in the, in the Premier League title winning season. But could he have done what he did without N'Golo Kante Mm, probably not. And Didi, I've already discounted from my shortlist because Kante is in there. Andy King, now sentimentality, does that take over? He has achieved an awful lot with the club. He's won all three of the top three divisions in in England. You know, he's the longest serving player. What an absolute club legend, club icon. Tielemans is quality, but I think what I'm going to do with Tielemans is... Similarly, for the reasons that the likes of Johnny Evans, etc., didn't quite get in, and and Ben Chilwell to a lesser extent as well with this argument. Tielemans, I'm not sure, has featured enough this decade to be considered for this. It's probably come half a season too soon, if you like, 
Um, and, you know, purely because he is a player of a calibre that we very rarely see at the King Power Stadium. And the impact that he had in his short time at Leicester. And, and, and it was a kind of signing that I couldn't believe we'd managed to pull off, regardless of what age he was. And I think in previous podcasts where we've picked best teams or whatever, I've put him in. So I'm I'm writing it down now. It's got to be Cambiasso for me. He just he had an impact on a football club that I that you rarely rarely see. And most decorated Argentinian footballer ever, I think, as well. Just an unbelievable talent. And I know he didn't do that at Leicester, but he played for Leicester this decade, so he's in. So Cambiasso is in your side. Um, I can tell you now, Rob, I do not have Esteban Cambiasso. Uh, I knew you were going to pick him. I, uh, I've i gone for Danny Drinkwater purely for the fact that he ticks a number of boxes, signing 2012, early 2012, winner of the Championship, winner of the Premier League. I think you look back into that Premier League winning campaign and it's very easy to overlook Danny Drinkwater and what he did. An amazing season. I still think he played very well the season after. Uh, he, for me, he ticks all the boxes in terms of longevity, in terms of winning two divisions and being key in winning those two divisions. Um, obviously, he left to go to Chelsea. I didn't really have a problem with him leaving because he was going to get paid an awful lot of money to go and play and try and, and try and play alongside N'Golo Kante again at Chelsea. It didn't work out for him for a number of different reasons, but for his time at Leicester, uh, Danny Drinkwater trumps... For me, Yuri Tillemans, obviously, Wilfred Ndidi, who is getting towards that kind of player, especially if, again, a trophy follows, hopefully, this season. Um, the, the problem I've got with Esteban Cambiasso uh, is he was part of a fairly average Leicester side, a side that avoided relegation just, and the impact that he had on the side was... Uh, considerable but possibly when you do look back possibly a bit of an over reaction I think possibly we went back to Robert Huth and the the influence he had which was was fantastic and huge and and I mentioned all the players he had an effect on and and I think Cambiasso was was, was excellent and was a great addition but I think there was a number of players in that survival season who had more of an impact than Cambiasso and I would have him in the conversation but to be perfectly honest I would actually have him not in the side I wouldn't have him actually near that team as well I would have two or three other players I would maybe even Wilfred and Didi um, you're looking at King and obviously Tillemans has only been there for a short time so probably not him but I would have them maybe ahead of Cambiasso so I'm not poo-pooing one of a player who is is in the affection of a lot of Leicester fans. You see online a lot of people, um, you know, bringing up goals that he scored and talking about Cambiasso. But for me, yes, it was great, but it, I think it's just a, kind of gone a bit over the top almost slightly in, in what actually he contributed himself uh, to that season. So for me, I've got Danny Drinkwater in my side. So there's one position that we're going to have to uh, we'll have to sort out for the team. Uh, the overall for Fox 8 podcast team of the decade. Now, on to the left, Rob. Um, this is where it gets interesting, okay? Um, who have you got on the left? All Brighton and Dyer. Right. Um, 
Who have you picked out of those two? I'm picking now. Um, Albrighton. So you've gone for Mark Albrighton? Yeah. Right. Well, Mark Albrighton we all know about. Scorer of the first goal in the Champions League. Winner of the Premier League. One of the best free signings of all time. Still at the football club. Been there a while now. Um, I think that's an easy sign, easy pick, really. Lloyd Dyer, there for a long time. Uh, scorer of some famous goals in the promotion campaign. 230 games he played for Leicester overall. Some of them in a couple of years before this decade started. 30 goals scored. And everyone loves Lloyd Dyer. When we played Burton away in the Cup this season, songs sung for Lloyd Dyer pretty much throughout the game. Um, I think it's an easy decision to pick Albrighton in that midfield. I haven't picked him. And the reason I haven't picked him is because I'm not playing with a 4-4-2 formation. Um, I'm actually playing with Riyad Mahrez behind a front two. So I've got Mahrez in a kind of sitting role. So it's kind of 4-3-3. I've got three midfielders. I've got N'Golo Kante. I've got Danny Drinkwater, as discussed. My third midfielder in that three is not all Brighton, it's Andy King. So I've gone for You've Andy King. You've squeezed him in. I've squeezed him in. I've got Andy <laughs> King in midfield. Many people are going mad. But Andy King, technically still at the football club and, and just now actually, or before we came on air to do this, um, I think he's going to come back to Leicester. He's not really worked out for him at Rangers. So he's still at the football club. He's been there for the entire decade. Andy King... That longevity, if you were going to put a tick, or in horse racing terms, you can put a double tick next to certain attributes next to a horse, whether they get a certain distance, whether they like the track, the ground, etc. And you can put a cross or a tick or a double tick. He gets a treble tick for longevity because he's been there for the entire decade. Has he made an impact? Has he? Winner of the Premier League, scorer, if you remember on that day against Everton when we lifted the trophy, um, played in the Champions League, winner of the championship, a vital core member of the side all the way through those early years, all those playoff uh, semi-finals and, and campaigns in, in the championship. Also then to progress the way he did to winning the league, to playing in the Premier League, to excelling and then winning the Premier League, to then playing in Europe, in the Champions League. And yes, in the last few years, it's not really worked out for him at Leicester. He's been on loan at certain places and and the team have has progressed. But you could arguably say it's kind of half progressed away from Albrighton in, in a weird way. You know, the, the starting lineup maybe has just kind of gone on from him, even though he is still on the bench and in the conversation and does start still for Leicester. But I think... In terms of team of the decade, I would have Andy King there just ahead of Albrighton, who will go down in the history books for many reasons, Mark Albrighton. But I'm sticking with Andy King. Um, I said at the beginning of this, I'm a bit of a stickler for some of the older players, but I think a player who's been at the club for a whole decade and done the things he's done, I think he deserves to be in there. So even if you have to shift a few players round to make it not quite the formation that maybe would actually take to a field, doesn't matter for me. So I've got three in midfield, Drinkwater, Kante and Andy King. And I've got Riyad Mahrez, uh, maybe just behind a front two or in a, in a front three. 
So that's the <laughs> so that's the way I've kind of snuck Andy King in there. So we need two more, Rob. Yeah, from attacking positions, we need two more. Um, obviously, I'm doing this as we're going along, so there might be a chance that I might shift formation slightly. But as it stands at the moment, I've I'm a a four and a four. It depends really what I decide to do with my remaining front two as to as to what that finally looks like. But we've got a, we've got a discussion to have now, haven't we? We do. Okay, we'll we'll go with one player then, and we will both have, I'm sure, Mr. Vardy in the side. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And do we need to mention any more in terms of Jamie Vardy? No, not really. Um, in terms of, well, we'll come to the end of when we come to the end of it, we'll talk about like player of the decade or or whatever the most important signing. We'll just have a, a quick look back at the side. So Vardy, we'll just put a tick next to because he's going to be on everyone's side. So how have you worked out then this final position? Because I'll I'll just list a few players that I've got down here, Rob. Uh, I've got uh, Paul Gallagher, as we've mentioned. I've got David Nugent. I've got Leonardo Ojoa, and I've got Shinji Okazaki. Yeah, I've got all of those. And then I've got James Madison in this conversation. Oh, okay, Um, yes. And I've got, just for nostalgia, I've got Steve Howard on the list as well. He's obviously not actually (laughs) in the running. He's just there. Um, Vardy's in. That means it's a choice. I I genuinely don't really know what I'm going to do with this one, to be perfectly honest with you, because... There are a lot of pros for all of these players, really. David Nugent could not stop scoring in the championship. Shinji Okazaki was obviously in the Premier League title winning season and his energy and, and everything about him was was brilliant. Ojoa gives you something different, doesn't he? If, you, if you're trying to build a team here that could actually win a football match, he gives you a different option. It's... And you know Madison is is banging form right now and is is a highly talented player. It's it's tricky. So you're building a front three, yeah, and you've got Maris and Vardy in it, and you said Maris is behind the other two. So I'm assuming that your other choice is a actual striker. It yes, you you are right. I'm I was just flicking through. You could hear me there, just turning the pages of the uh, of the uh, fossils and foxes because I was just checking on how many goals. David Nugent scored in the uh, league-winning campaign in the championship. Scored twenty goals in the in the league. Um, not often Leicester have had a twenty-goal striker. Uh, it, it was a long time since we've had a twenty-goal striker. Since I think he went back to Lineker. Since uh, it was then um, Lineker, and I think it went on to Dickov, and then Fryatt, and then Nugent. That could be wrong. That's off the top of my head. But uh, it sounds about right. Um, Nugent scored 54 goals in 159 games. So looking back, that's not bad. One in Just better than one in three, slightly, between 2011-2015. Shinji Okazaki, again, everyone in that starting 11 in the league winning campaign is going to be in the conversation. Leo Ajara as well. Uh, we, we really could do with a Leo Ajara at the moment if on the bench to come on and just give us a, a different option. He would be a, per, a Leo Ajara from that era would be would be perfect still just to come off the bench and and against Norwich the other week 
it would have been ideal for that and, and to replicate the goal against Norwich in the, the league winning campaign. Those two aren't in my side, okay, as much as they're both fond crowd favourites. Um, James Madison um, is not in the side. He could hopefully well be in the future. Um, good season last season, really has kicked on this season. Fingers crossed he can carry on and uh, just improve and improve. My player is David Nugent. Um, and I think you just, stats can tell some of the story, but I think you just look back at that stat. 159 games, 54 goals. That's a tremendous record. Um, 20 goals in the league alongside 16 goals in the league for Jamie Vardy. Those two up front when we won the league alongside the likes of Chris Wood coming on. Um, scored five times in the Premier League the season after and then went on, move, moved out and we we were then won the league. So in his kind of era in the, it, it, at the football club, the four to five years he was at the football club, scored a, an amazing amount of goals, you know, just better than one in three, really good record, good lad, crowd favourites, um, good on his centre forward, very skillful, a bit like Gallagher, probably should have played in, in the Premier League for longer than he did. Got that one cap and one goal for England. But he then left and then we won the league. So his, his kind of air at the club is extremely well defined by nearly getting promoted, scoring goals to get us into the playoffs, to then scoring 20 goals in the, in the league winning campaign, to then contributing towards a survival in the Premier League, and then leaves and then we go and win the league. So... His record at Leicester is is tremendous, and if you're looking back at the decade, I think David Nugent is a, a, a very solid pick in there, and a lovely throwback when you look back at the side um, throughout the likes of Ricardo. A lot of the play at, at the moment, obviously, a lot of the players who were in that league winning campaign, and then Nugent is that link along with Schmeichel back to the early years of the decade. I can't disagree with any of your reasoning there. I'm not going to put him in my team, but I <laughs> can totally see where you're coming from. Um, and you fangirling over David Nugent for so long has enabled me to make my final choice for my 11th player. Um, and I've actually picked another midfielder to to fill up my squad. You picked James Madison? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh. Um I'm looking, you know, for not for inspiration, but just for a comparison as to what we are talking about on here. I was looking at, at the other teams of the decade that have been done, and I'd, I don't think Alan Smith has quite really captured Leicester of the dec- last decade. He's basically done a Leicester of the last five years rather than ten on Sky Sports. Uh, I've put, you know what, you made such a good case for him that I've put Andy King in my team in a... Midfield three oh, right. as the furthest advance of a three-man midfield because, you know, especially in the championship, he scored a lot of goals. He he had the knack, almost the sort of Frank Lampard-esque knack of making that late run from midfield to be in the right place to score either a goal from inside the box or from just outside it. So I'm going to put him in my team purely because I don't think any of the other strikers stood out to me enough to get in the team of the decade there was there were obviously all of them had pros that's why they're on my list but there were too many reasons why I shouldn't put them in uh, and that combined with your excellent argument of the case of Andy King 
has led to me putting Andy King in. Right. So, Schmeichel in goal. Yeah. Ricardo. Yeah. Morgan. Yeah. Hooth. Yeah. Fuchs. Yes. Kante. Yes. King. Yes. Mares. Yes. Vardy. Yes. And then you've got Albrighton. And Cambiasso, yeah. And Cambiasso. And I've got Nugent and Drinkwater. <laughs> <laughs> that I tell you what, to agree on 9 out of 11 is not bad. That's not bad at all. How are we going to settle this? I think the best thing to do would be for you to use your creative skills and put up a side-by-side of my team of the decade and your team of the decade and have some kind of vote going on. Mm. Okay, so I'll just write this down. I've got my side, and the difference is you've got Albrighton. Yeah, I've got Albrighton on the left, and then I've got Cambiasso in a sort of a midfield three, if you like, with King and Kante. Let's put it to the public. Yeah, I'll put the team of the decade then. On the uh, Twitter feed, I'll put it on the Facebook feed as well. So at FFS Pod for Fox 8 Podcast on Twitter. Or if you go onto Facebook, just type in for Fox 8 Podcast and we'll come up and you'll see it on there. Click like as well and it means you get all the updates. So find it on there, okay? And then if you would like to comment below and see which is best and tell us which is best, Pete's team or Rob's team, okay? And uh, it would be nice and easy. I'll just put on there, put Pete's or Rob's. Not a problem. Okay. And also, and please then, feel um, free to, if you, well, which is likely your disagreements with us, if you don't think that either of ours are correct, then feel free to stick in the comments or, or in your reply on Twitter what you think your best team, your best 11 of the decade is. And we'll see if if we're miles wide of the mark and we've just been talking rubbish for the last hour. That's a good point, yeah, which is probably true. So, yeah, put your team down as well. And uh, and what we'll do, we'll leave that up for a while and uh, and we'll figure out probably in early in the new year. So we'll leave it to breathe for, for 10 days or so. And uh, and then we'll uh, once we reconvene on one of the uh, next uh, forthcoming episodes of of the podcast, then we'll uh, we'll take a look at all the replies. We'll read out a few of the teams as well, see where the kind of themes going and uh, and figure out an actual uh, team of the decade uh, from the podcast. But uh, well, there we go. Well, I think we did quite well there, Rob. Actually, I think we were quite precise with our opinions on certain players and. Uh, and gave good strong arguments for the two players that were different from each side and and why also some of the other players were involved. I'm looking forward to, to hearing from the listeners as well, to seeing their responses and to the changes that they would make and also whether they just come out with other ideas for certain players. But um, if you look back at that team, Rob, we've just picked pick some of the highlights. I mean, Schmeichel as a signing, a fabulous signing looking back over the decade, and you'd put him. I'd I'd, I'd highlight him uh, with Morgan. Obviously, um, the the Morgan signing was interesting because he was at Forest for so long, and whether it was almost Morgan kind of saying to the football club, or saying to like Pearson, saying, "Look, look, come and sign me. You know, I, I want to join. I've given the green light. I was never going to leave Forest, but I've got to that point now where I I need to for my own career. So whether it's Yes, it was a great signing, but whether it was a great poaching job by Leicester, I don't really know the ins and outs. 
but um, I think a lot of it might have been Morgan instigating the move. But obviously Vardy, the big signing, which made headlines at the time, signing for a million pound from non-league football from Fleetwood, caused a big stir and, and there's well publicised in the first year. So the fact that he, he struggled with the, the you know just the increase in training every day and, and having to change his diet and his lifestyle um, to the extent now that he's a, a model professional and we all know the Vardy story. But just those signings alone, are unbelievable signings and and what great stories it's easy to to pinpoint Kante for five and a half million and, and then being sold for a huge profit and and Andy King being at the football club already but but those three signings stand out not just at Leicester but in in, in world football alone especially English football they do yeah and it's testament to everybody else involved at the football club that we managed to to sign these players that have gone on to make it into for Fox sake podcasts team of the decade. I think the way we need to round this off is if possible, try and select a player of the decade. I know we've, we've, we've struggled here to, well, not struggled in certain positions, but it's been difficult enough putting an, an 11 out. But if you had to, rather than an end of season player of the season award, if you had to do a player of the decade, we we need one more as well. Go on. We need a ma- we need a manager. Ooh. Okay. So managers, you would have Nigel Pearson, Claudio Ranieri, and Brendan Rodgers, really. Club well. Uh, yeah. Sven Jan um, Eriksson. Well, we know only three. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> so so you would you'd 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 instantly go. It's between Pearson and Claudio. Um. Okay, I would go with personally Claudio because if you look back at the team which we have done, and Leicester had a decent team in the Championship, so to be in the playoffs was a good achievement. Um, enjoyable times with Nigel. And then to so so it was a good achievement, and then to win the league was fabulous, but then Claudio's win in the Premier League would eclipse that. So I think Nigel did brilliantly, and he's and everyone knows how how highly he's thought of by all Leicester fans, but especially on this podcast, and delighted that he's got off to a, a good start at Watford. I would just have Claudio pipping what Pearson did, purely because of looking back at the team and the quality he had. So yeah, I'm going to go for I'm going to go for Claudio. The man won the Premier League with Leicester City. I don't think there's an argument to be had here. I I like you, I'm fond of Nigel Pearson and and fully appreciate the job that he did in both stints at the football club. I like his no-nonsense approach. Um but Claudio Ranieri won the Premier League with Leicester City at odds of 5,000 to 1 with a team basically that just survived relegation the previous season. It's a phenomenal achievement. And yeah, it is the standout moment of Leicester's entire club history. So... Why that wouldn't get him manager of the decade, I don't know. I mean, some other people might argue against us, but I'm wholly in the Claudio camp. He is the manager 
of the decade for Leicester. Now um, we're going so to pick a player. Signing. Oh, yeah. are we going signing or best player? Well, no, no, player. We'll go play, player, player, because you know we, we could go into massive detail there. You know who who made the best tea or whatever. But um, so player. I'm gonna have to. Best I'm player. gonna have to go through process of elimination and take out certain players. So I'm gonna take out Ricardo. I'm gonna take out Huth. I'm gonna take out Fuchs. I'm gonna take out Cambiasso. I'm gonna take out Albrighton. I take out Kante because he's only there a season. That leaves me. Um, if I'm whittling it's it Michael down, Michael Morgan and Vardy. Yeah, pretty Morris. much, yeah. I was looking at. I've got Maras and King on there, and you know, for the reasons that King made the the team of the decade. But I, I know I think he needs to go off this individual honours list. He's a team player in the Andy King. He's not in it for the individual honours. So yeah, you've got Schmeichel, Morgan, Mares, and Vardy. I've got mine. I've whittled it down to. You've decided, have you? Yeah. I don't like the way you do this, and you're always so matter of fact, and I'm sitting here like tearing my hair out trying to make a decision. I'm going to take Mares off. That takes me down to three. Yep. Vardy scored loads of goals. Morgan was the captain, and Schmeichel's been number one for basically the entire decade. It's not easy. Why did I suggest doing this? Okay, take one more player off that list, then. You've got three. Oh. You're going to take Schmeichel off the list, aren't you? I'm going to have to, yeah. He's a goalkeeper. He can't be the best player of the decade. Why not? <laughs> so the best player of the decade is either Wes Morgan or Jamie Vardy. It's Vardy, isn't it? It's got to be. Of course it's Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy is the best player of the decade. He's been the best player at the football club for the last three or four years. He then scored 24 league goals when we won the league. He scored 16 goals when we got promoted. It's Jamie Vardy. He's not only the best player of the decade, in my opinion, he's the best player that's ever played at the football club. He's Roy of the Rovers comic book stuff. He is the best player at the football club. He still is. And it's Jamie Vardy. It's Jamie Vardy, dot, 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 dot. (laughs) But, um... No, it is. I I had down um, obviously Morgan, but I still say, and very arguably, but the best signing is easy to say Jamie Vardy because he wasn't at the club from youth. But I still say that Robert Huth is one of the most important signings in the history of the football club. Amazing when you look back at, at what Robert Huth did. I think important importance was was Robert Huth really. So in terms of best signing, I could argue him, but. The player of the decade, it's it's obviously into it's Jamie Vardy. Decision made. We've done quite well there, I think. I look forward to hearing what other people think. Yes, we could we could we could go on like we, which is the best stand, which is the best seat to sit in, which is the best kit. You know, there's all there's all sorts. But uh, yeah, so that's it. Then we've got our one to eleven each, very similar. We've got our manager, we've got our player, but we'll just talk about the one to eleven. On the uh, on Twitter and on on Facebook as well. The other two uh, we'll just leave off. That was just for the end of this. So hopefully you enjoyed this special, this uh, team of the decade special. Again, the, an idea that we came up with way ahead of everyone else, but we just like to pat ourselves on the back because it doesn't often happen. But uh, there we go, Rob. I think we've come up with two cracking sides, and um, yeah, it's it's been a good, nice look back. And uh, fingers crossed, we're still doing this in ten years' time, and we can look back on the next decade um, and hopefully we're talking about the same kind of success a couple of leagues thrown in would be alright wouldn't it